1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Phil Mackey. He tried to be so polished. As a broadcaster, he says weird stuff, but it's almost funny at times.
0: Judd Zolgad. Just from a baseball perspective, I really enjoy him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Going
1: wild. He's got a
2: man
0: Touchdown, Titans! Kendall Wright. The contract details are out. This, this actually broke on Friday after our show was over. We're just getting around to uh, kicking it around on our show now.
1: This really surprises me on the contract.
0: It's only $400,000 guaranteed according to the Star Tribune's Ben Gessling and up to $1 million. Yeah, That's actually less than Jarius Wright was going to make, right?
1: I believe that's correct, yes. now they
0: Now they might have had to eat some to get rid of Jarius Wright. So I'd, I'd have to go look at that, but uh, Kendall Wright he will slot in, pun intended, as the Vikings' number three wide receiver. And I saw a photo posted by somebody—I can't remember who posted this—but but in Atlanta, Kirk Cousins already working out with Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, and Kendall Wright the last couple of days. Oh, really? Yeah, they all—they all had—they okay. all had were all standing. It was in the dark last night. This thing was posted, but Kendall Wright—he was a former first-round pick, you might remember, in 2012. 28 years old, so he's still got some prime years left. And his peak season was 2013 when he caught 94 passes for over a thousand yards. Uh most recently, he played all 16 games with the Bears last year, 59 catches on 91 targets for 614 yards. And um yeah, those are the those are the need to knows on him. But you got a list of the quarterbacks yes. that he's played with, or just the cesspool that he's been, you know, forced to endure in his six years in the NFL. It's going to be an upgrade here with the Vikings.
1: He did a conference call uh, yesterday in which he's quoted as saying that uh, Kirk Cousins was a big part of the decision to sign here. I've played with countless quarterbacks in my career, and I've I've never played with one of Kirk Cousins' caliber before. That played a big reason in my decision to sign. So I thought, okay, countless seems a little bit. A little bit much, right? For a guy mm-hmm. that came in a league in 2012. Well, guess what? I was wrong. He
0: was right. I mean, it's amazing. Can I guess? Did Matt Hasselbeck help him in one of those you big can, years? Oh, okay, so he Matt played... Matt Hasselbeck was a quarterback in Tennessee. So,
1: so he played for the Titans from 2012 to 16 and then spent uh, 2017 with the Bears. If you would like to go ahead and guess, uh, the number is I've got him playing with... 10 court. Quor- okay. I've got him playing with... Twelve QBs. So, if you would like to guess, wow. Okay,
0: hold on. Let's fire this ahead. out. Hold on a second. So he's. So you're saying that like twelve quarterbacks have thrown him a pass, or what? No, 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 no. I'm. Here? I'm saying.
1: I'm saying. I'm saying he has been on a roster where there have been at different times 12, 12 QBs. So there, there's actually. I believe it's actually thirteen if you include a running back that threw a pass on on one of his teams, but we won't include okay. that. So we're just going with guys who are listed on the roster as quarterbacks.
0: Well, Mitchell Trubisky. And Mike Glennon. Right? That's two. That's last that's last year's two. All right. Uh Matt Hasselbeck. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. Keep going. Um tell me right or wrong on these. Three, we'll go you three got it. strikes, okay? You got it. So I need I need 10 more, or we're going 13 or 12?
1: Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Um 12 quarterbacks of which you well, got Well, he was three. in
0: Tennessee up until two years ago, so Marcus Mariota. That is correct. Now it gets dicey. <laughs> It's yeah, um, it's right.
1: a hodgepodge.
0: Was uh was Kerry Collins one of them in Tennessee? Incorrect. Ah. He was a
1: quarterback there but not when Kendall Wright was drafted. He's gone. Wow, I'm trying to there's think. There's a quarterback the... that the Vikings considered in the 2012 draft in this list. Oh, Jake Locker. That's correct. He started 11 games in That's 5 Kendall Wright's rookie season. One, 2 3 Were the other crappy Tennessee
0: quarterbacks here? So Jake Locker. It's, it's not easy. There was a couple veterans Oh, 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 there's a oh, former oh, oh, um um I was gonna say Billy Volek. That's
1: <laughs> that's a really good guess because there's a before, lot of crap here, but no, he's okay, not. Okay, two strikes. But there there is a former Viking quarterback on this list who played for the Titans.
0: <sighs> Hold on a second. Not that long. I'm ago. gonna do a, a oh um wow. Let's see, Gus gotcha. Farrat, Matt Castle, the Matt Castle,
1: Matt Castle, Matt Castle, Matt Castle played Matt in 2016, wow. played in four games. And he started one. Mariota started 15 in 2016. How many of the other six remaining are even guessable? Uh, one, two. Uh, oh. I don't even know what you would think would be guessable at this point. Not, none, are, none are simple. There, there might be one that you could get, maybe two. I want to get seven here. Kendall, Wright. by the way,
0: just off the list that we've read so far, this is why he's this is why he's cousins is Aaron Rodgers yes. compared to this list. All yes. right, I got nothing. Okay, I got nothing. All right, what are the other ones?
1: Uh, in 2012, uh, this guy played in a game. He did not start, but he is a quarterback, Rusty Smith, who I got to admit I don't remember. Rusty Smith. Rusty Smith. Rusty Smith was listed as a quarterback. Okay, no recollection. 2013, Jake Locker started seven games. The other nine starts, and I, you might have gotten this one. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh my gosh. I forgot that he played for Tennessee. So did he. <laughs> wow. Two thousand fourteen on a team that went two and fourteen. Uh you had Locker started five games. Charlie Whitehurst started five games. Zach, wow, Zach Whitehurst. Man. Started six games, yeah, and and Jordan Palmer, Carson's brother, got into a game.
0: Wow. Well, but th- so think about this: Kendall Wright <laughs> with those quarterbacks. Kendall Wright is a guy who's put up a thousand yards. You know, he's never been the most targeted receiver. You know, he's always had other guys, or they just haven't been. You know, dynamic passing offenses, but he's a guy. If you were to target a fair amount, could pretty easily catch sixty plus passes and be a, a formidable threat, right? I mean, he. He could, he's been the number one receiver on teams before he's got some, he's not close to number one caliber receiver in the NFL, but they don't need him to be that. Think about what your third wide receiver situation was just a few days ago, even before they signed him. I mean, it was because Jerry wright has gone. Okay. Laquan Treadwell, I guess is back to being a number three guy. Now you have the luxury. You have two star receivers, number one and number two. And then a rock-solid upgrade from Jarius Wright, who we both liked, and Matthew Collar has written about him as being underrated as well. And now you don't have to rely on a Stacey Coley or a Laquan Treadwell. You have a ready-to-win offense and team right now, and your three wide receivers are all ready to roll. And if one of them's injured, you still have two very solid guys. I love it.
1: And Jarius Wright was, was reliable when used, but I always felt like since Zim got here that they didn't completely trust him. I think... With Kendall Wright, they will. So I think he, he's going to get a lot more snaps. Thielen played, if you recall last year, Thielen played in the slot quite a bit. I would not be surprised now if they go more with three receiver sets a little bit and play right in the slot, Thielen and Diggs outside. The other thing that this tells you is that I think Treadwell is just about out of strikes. If you cut Treadwell, it's it hurts you salary cap-wise. So I don't think that there's a lot of motivation here to cut him but and i get the fact that he's not a slot guy but if you really liked him i think you'd be saying well should should we create some more room for, sure. for him to get a chance this in training be your time. camp yeah. you know i mean this this would be the last chance i think they're done there
0: you're 100% right if this is his it's going to be his third year first round draft pick so you loved him coming out of college and and you decided you know jarius Wright's a reliable guy but we can do without him and okay this is the fork in the road open spot to get a lot more snaps and to take a step up and you elect to sign a veteran former first round pick in Kendall Wright. Yeah. It's a it's a very damning signing for Laquan Treble, but you know what? You're not gonna go, you're not gonna bat a thousand on draft picks.
1: But you know what this if is. You also, can say,
0: if you can wave goodbye and, and write off your mistake before it bites you again, I'm fine with that.
1: And no no matter what this team tells you, and this is actually a good thing, no matter what they, they tell you, everything that they've done in the last month plus is about two thousand eighteen. This is Super Bowl or bust completely. Yeah, Like, this isn't a, I think they're going to be good. This is uh we damn near got there, and now we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. It might not work, but when you consider the quarterback... Uh, and the contract that he got, when you consider that the Wright got a one-year contract, and I bas- I bet they told him, you come here, play, play for a year, you'll get opportunities to be successful. If you're great and we're successful, you'll par- parlay that probably into a three- or four-year contract somewhere else. The point being, everything they've done now is about 2018, and it's not about being good, it's about the Super Bowl.
0: And for the record on Treadwell, if they were to have cut him before this season... 6 million dollar cap hit yeah. for this year or I'm sorry dead cap which means they they'd still owe that money to the cap and then another 3.1 million so they structured it so that his his money to the cap that you you know that you'd be on the hook for is still enough to where you just have to keep him around yes but now you don't have to worry about leaning on him for a season in which you're
1: trying to win the and Super I suppose you can block you know a little bit but yeah this is all about this this to me says that they came close And that they know, they know for a fact that 2018 is absolutely the key year for
0: them. How about the Vikings? We can get into this more throughout the week, too. But they went to the NFC Championship game, got smoked, and instead of saying, let's just, all right, band back together, they said, nope, new quarterback, new defensive, new star defensive tackle, and new former 1,000 yard receiver in that number three spot. Like they've done a great job of reloading this. Do you think
1: uh, Spielman was influenced by nine a bit too because that was a band back together let's do it again we're gonna bring everybody back mm-hmm. that was a great year I wonder if he looked back and said that was a huge mistake because it was that's worth diving
0: into more but that yeah you just felt that that team needed something more than band back together in 2010 and they didn't and they didn't do anything more really. And they just got smoked and fired a coach and, and then got smoked again. And the stadium collapsed. Dave, what kind of questions are you going to throw at us next?
2: Well, the Vikings might be in the Super Bowl. I do have one question about the team and
0: more specifically the coach that's always in the Super Bowl. Okay. And then Jason Stark in about 15 or 20 minutes, and Armin Katayan on his new Tiger Woods biography in about an hour from now. Mackey and Judd are back. Audio level full volume. It's go time. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of
2: Mackie and Judd is sponsored by It's Just Lunch.
0: Now on Mackie and Judd.
1: Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance.
0: All right, we got Jason Stark in about 15 minutes from now armin Katayan on his new tiger woods biography that'll be entertaining in about an hour dave's got some questions here
2: have you guys been keeping up with all the news and speculation regarding bill belichick and the patriots the last few days gronk might be coming back probably coming back yeah maybe they should trade him maybe he doesn't want to be a patriot anymore because he's unhappy with bill belichick not loving him enough and blah 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 yeah Oh, Bill's had a lot of success over the years, but perhaps he's not a loving enough father figure for his coaches or for his players. He and Tom Brady have reportedly come to, you know, come to blows, not physically, but you know what I mean, metaphorical yep, sure. blows the last a few months. So my question is twofold. Do you believe Bill Belichick is more out of touch with his players than your typical run-of-the-mill
1: NFL coach? And if he is... Is that good or bad? Um, question number one, if we're talking about National Football League coaches, I do not believe that. I think a lot of them, because the job is so consuming, and because it's the coordinators and position coaches, I think, that, that deal with the players as a as a group far more, their group. So is Belichick the most touchy-feely guy when, when it comes to the relationship with his players? Absolutely not. But I, I don't think Zim is. Like I think Zim's players respect him, and they might like him, but I don't think he goes around and has the, the the relationship that let's say, Schirmer had with the offensive players. And then the second part of the question was: If he is more out of yeah. touch, is that a good thing or a bad thing in your mind? Um. Well, I think it always helps to know what, what's going on. I don't. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's. I'd say if you're a head coach of a football team, and you're responsible for as much as they they are, the reality is it's probably a good thing not to be too in touch because aside from your quarterback, it's going to become all-consuming in in a bad way. So, I mean, Belichick's aging, have things changed? Absolutely. But I don't think now I, I look at him as a person and say he's, you know, that's terrible. And a guy like Gronk? Let's be honest. He's just a weird dude. So it's not a bad thing. Uh, do
0: I think Bill Belichick would be able to identify the new Cardi B single if you gave him a pair of headphones? And oh, you I, know I couldn't, so I, I think the answer is probably no. Do I think he's out of touch? No. I think sometimes he pretends like he's out of touch. Well, the snap face and blah, blah, blah. If you're gonna be that successful as a coach, and keep in mind too, he has meetings on a regular basis during the offseason with top coaches in other sports like Greg Popovich or, well, Tom Thibodeau, I think was one of them maybe a couple years ago, which is kind of funny. Um, Nick Saban, like, he knows how to connect enough with players, but he prioritizes – I think he wakes up every day and, you know, for him, like, connecting on a did-you-see-the-Grammys-last-night level with his players is not important. It might be for – maybe Mike Tomlin is more like that because he's more of a players coach – Who's more more of a rah rah guy? I think Belichick is in touch as much as he needs to be, but you know he's got enough of a resume where what you know, whatever he's doing is working, and I think in his mind he feels like with Gronk, you know, whatever like Gronk's awesome, but we won a Super Bowl without Gronk a couple years ago, so we could probably we could probably find some pieces to make it work. Um, and then again, what was the second part of the question? Simply, it doesn't matter. If
2: he is out of touch, is if he doesn't connect with his players as much as another
0: coach, is that a good or a bad thing? It's a, I almost think it's a neutral thing because it works for him. But I would say, I would say it's a good thing for him because he can make decisions with like the twins for a long time, refuse to make decisions, whether it's on the field or. Internally, that need to be made because they were so attached, and it was such a oh, I mean, family. Jason
1: Bartler was a great guy.
0: That's my point. Chemist. Bill Belichick almost got rid of Tom Brady, if you believe the reports, and that's the closest relationship he has. But it's not close enough to where he can't say objectively, you know what? Jimmy Garoppolo should be our quarterback for the next five years. So I do think it it helps him make decisions that need to be made. We got to cut bait on this guy. We got to trade this
2: guy. It's not. Got to say goodbye. It's to this not coach. a bad thing. Question number two. First, give me just a general, how much of the tournament did you watch this year, the NCAA, compared to previous <laughs> years? Was it way down? Um, it was down. for me, it was way down.
1: It's
0: it, way down for me? It, it was way down in the final four, to be honest. I just, I don't know. Once Loyola was down in the second half, that was kind of kind of it for me.
1: All right. First, first day, which I'm, I'm ordinarily just engrossed, I think I watched more hockey, which even for me, unusual i ordinarily watch a ton of basketball on thursday friday the first round i didn't this year
2: well i think that was uh, pretty much the case across the board it sounds like ratings were down pretty much throughout the whole tournament so give me what you think to be the number one reason for that and question uh, part two villanova two titles in the last three seasons percent chance one or both of those banners eventually comes down
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know what people seem to believe that jay wright is doing it on the up and up but who, who said that yesterday, too? Someone someone tweeted, or it was it on Mike uh, Golick and Wingo, that at least you know now that you know, you've got two coaches that are clean in and line and Jay Wright. I mean, I'm never going to go that far, because <laughs> who the hell knows at this point. But people seem to think that Jay Wright runs a clean program. I guess we'll find out. So I'm going to say the banners do stay up. Um, why did viewership wane this year? That's a good question. I mean, I think people are just kind of sick of... The current setup, I think, I think a lot of people are are sick of players not being able to make money out their own likenesses. I almost think there's too much parity now in terms of player turnover and the amount of teams that could hypothetically win the championship, even though it might have been down this year. You don't watch a college basketball game and know who the players are anymore. And there was a lot of talented players on the floor last night. How many were household names? Uh, two or three, maybe like Mo Wagner's kind of a household name now. But you watch a game 15, 20 years ago, and you know the, the Duke starting five. I was going to say, you know the Duke starting five. You For the lineups. For, yeah, for yeah. sure. Now it's almost too hard. People are pe- People's attention spans when it comes to entertainment are so spread thin. Netflix, Amazon, cable, you name it, right? And with college basketball, if you're not paying full attention, you don't know who the player, there's not as much attachment to the team. So it might just be that process over the course of 10 or 15 years. And I don't know, that's my theory.
1: Uh, quality of play is just to, to me so far down and, and you've got these one and dones now, or these, you have got these teams, they're just, it's not, it used to be fun to watch. It's not now. And plus I'm never going to, I can't watch games where, where, what should be an exciting time of the game is filled with timeouts and reviews. It's become, it's too much. So the product itself is just not good. And and there's so many other options, whether, as Phil said, outside of sports or in sports, that you're not I not going to sit there and watch an OK game when, when I could turn to an NBA game, a hockey game, a Netflix show. Um, the banners will not come down ever because when, when they do get busted, Villanova is going to say we did the same thing as North Carolina. Everyone cheated. <laughs> our students were cheating. Our players were cheating. Jay Wright was cheating. And therefore, you can't punish us, NCAA. That has to become everyone's default from here on out. We were paying all students, not just our players. So then they say, oh, okay, I guess we can't punish you. So that's why the banners don't come down, because you just say everybody cheated.
2: We went over Sergio Garcia's dinner tonight. International salad, lobster and rice, and the tres leches cake. Mm, yes. If you were in Sergio's shoes as returning Masters champion, boys, the simple question is, how would you treat your fellow competitors and former Masters champions to a lovely Tuesday evening dinner at the and clubhouse? A Sergio.
0: Yeah, Sergio would give you rice and salad yeah. with a little lobster. I mean, rice and salad? That's a nice warm-up, but... Exactly. Where's the main course? All right, Judge, exactly. go ahead. How would you treat the fellow green jacket wearers?
1: All right, first of all, I'm not starting off with just a salad. I'm starting off with a salad bar in which you have so many choices. This in, isn't Ruby Tuesday. In which you have... I'm not close to being done yet. This and, is going to take some time, okay? Let's you, clear out you, some space. You we can't get to Jason Stark here. Let's go. You
0: can't have a sentence that starts with, I'm not going to start with a salad. I'm going to start with a salad bar. A salad bar. <laughs> on, but salad hold, wait, on steroids.
1: Wait. I'm not done yet. Cottage cheese. See, my friend, it's going to include a pasta. Cool and it's, some sunflower it's seeds. It's going to include, I think it won't. It's going to include a pasta bar as well. A salad bar and a pasta bar. So you can get your fill, because that, to me, is the key to a good meal, a good start for it. The main course... The stuff yourself with salad bar potato salad. You know how good that is? I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) I do know. that's why I don't have it. Easter brunch on Sunday, unbelievable. Included a great choice of pasta salads. Wow. All right. Then the main course, I'm having it catered in from Murray's. Steak from Murray's. And I'm talking about the silver butter knife steak. Served with a bed of rice. Delicious rice. I love rice. And then, a plethora of vegetable choices. And then we're going back to wait. This is,
0: this is riveting right now. Just
1: hold on a second. He asked the question. Okay, he opened up Pandora's box.
0: Here. Jason Stark's on hold right now.
1: Okay, the last thing that we're going to Be do. Be a professional
2: right now. The last now, thing
1: that we're going to ha- going to have is a dessert bar. So we're not going to have just okay, one. Okay, a lot of desserts, great. Phil, what That's do you great. got? That's
0: great, nice, okay. Alright, here's it. It's, it's got to be all Minnesota, okay? You ask questions. Jason Stark is on hold right now, okay? Number one, 612 brew. got to represent the 612, so any any number of 612 brews for you to drink. Get drunk before the dinner. Walleye on a stick for an appetizer. Just a little taste. A little walleye on a stick. And then a double entree. You can either have both or one or the other, depending on your, if, uh, if you're a carnivore or a vegetarian. Matt's Bar Juicy Lucy's to represent Minnesota. But you didn't like Juicy Lucy's. And then Lucy. like a vegetarian tater tot hot dish. Maybe some wild rice mixed in there as well. I'm gonna burn your tongue. For dessert, Lefse with butter and sugar. A full I'll take my dessert bar. Minnesota oh. Upper Midwest experience. I think I'm choosing Judd's dinner.
1: Juicy Lucy, you just burnt your tongue. You told me two weeks ago. Well, you can cut Juicy it open. Lucy's burnt. For me. I, that's it's what for I the, told you. to represent that's Minnesota. That's what I told you two weeks ago. Cut it open.
0: Jason Stark's going to join us next. Thank God. You can settle in. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. They're so mentally unsound that they need some inspiration. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
2: Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now, now. With MLB
0: Network contributor
2: and senior baseball writer with The Athletic, Jason Stark. Brought to you by Grundhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. Bring the excitement of Grundhofer's to your next cookout.
0: Yes, he's back. Jason Stark, now with The Athletic and MLB Network for another season on the Mackey and Judge Show. Uh, Jason, we're excited for your new platforms. In fact, tell our audience where they can find your stuff, where they can see you. It's a, a new beginning for you on a couple of fronts.
3: Yeah, it really is. And uh, it it's fun. Um, it's my first week at The Athletic. Um, I, you know, I know you have to subscribe. I know you have to pay money. But... It, you know, people want to go to the top of my Twitter feed. There's a link for a 40% discount that'll get you a year of the athletic for like $35. Uh, I, I tell you, this is the truth. My last tank of gas cost more than $35. Uh, and the array of incredible sports writing, uh, incredible baseball writing, incredible writing about every team in your area, plus you get all the national stuff thrown in makes it an incredible value. Uh people just keep telling me over and over how much they love it. Uh I'm not used to that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's kind of the Netflix of sports writing and I you know, there's almost this feeling from the people who uh who who I run into that I talk to who tweeted me that They feel like they're the coolest kids at school because they found this great place for all this great content with no ads, no pop-ups, no videos, nothing to to, to bog it down. And it's like they're in this little fun club where the cool kids hang out. So you you can find me in there starting this week and uh, starting Friday. I am going to show up um, every morning on the MLB Central show on Fridays and really look forward to that. And then my final project is uh, hosting um, a show called Baseball Stories on Stadium. Uh, you can find that all, all over the place. Uh, go to watchstadium.com for more info. Awesome. How about that?
1: Awesome. That's Did very you, right? cool. So what what's the first story that you got going for them?
3: What's the first baseball story?
1: Baseball story, yeah.
3: Um Mark McGuire agreed to sit, with, to sit down with me after turning down just about everyone who wanted to talk with him about hitting 70 home runs in 1998. It's now 20 years down the road, and um, it, it'll be worth trying to find this on online, on your Apple TV, or on your favorite device, because he was amazing.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Hey, real, real quick here, before we dive into Twins, and uh, we want to ask you about the unwritten rules thing that popped up with Brian Dozier criticizing the Orioles this week, but d- this was a subject on our show last week. Do you think Giancarlo Stanton, who's off to a good start power-wise, do you think he could hit um, any number of milestones? Could he get to 62? Do you think he could get to 70? What do you In that stadium, what do you think?
3: You know, uh, he's also going to be a guest on Baseball Stories, and he told me this spring he thinks he can hit 100 homers.
0: What? In one one year?
3: Okay, I'm going to take the under. (laughs) He might not be wrong in that
0: ballpark, Jason.
3: That's a scary thing. Let's, Let's start with 60 and go from there. He hit 59 playing in the hardest park to hit a home run in the big leagues. And he really was going to hit sixty, except he just got so anxious at the end. He had nothing to play for. Yeah. Now you put him in Yankee Stadium, in that lineup with all that firepower around him, and every at bat means something for a guy who's waited all his life to be on that stage. He's not going to hit a hundred, but can he hit sixty-two? Can he break Barry's record? Uh, well, I mean, I'll—I don't think that's the craziest bet any of us have ever made, man.
1: Give me the the percentage chance. Do you think that there is a chance, Jason, that in ten years we we look back and say, how did we not see that 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 with the uh, home runs increasing again that, that guys weren't juicing? Because I just always go back to ninety eight, and you know we got so enthralled with it, and it was and that summer was so much fun, and guys were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and at that time you didn't really question it much. Do you in your mind? Is there no chance that that is taking place again?
3: Um, this is a very different time. Let's start with that. Um, back then, there was no testing and no punishment and more pressure within clubhouses to to do whatever, try whatever, take whatever, than there was to stay clean in a lot of ways because everybody was doing it. Um, so there was all of that. Now... Um, it's, it, you know, it's humiliating to get caught. Um, it's humiliating. And so do I think the game is hundred percent clean? No, because I don't think any sport is hundred percent clean, but here's why it's not logical to think that PEDs are the reason for this home run explosion, because the uptick in the home run rate, uh, occurred in the middle of the season. A couple of years ago, uh-huh. abruptly, right? And so, do we think that one day that July, every hitter discovered this magic substance that they could take and would turn them into home run hitters and it wouldn't only help them, it wouldn't help the pitchers? Heck, the pitchers wouldn't even know about it. <laughs> yeah. That's what you'd have to believe to believe that PEDs would be the reason for this. It started in the middle of a season, and it hasn't changed. It hasn't really stopped. Um, We talked about it a 100 times last year, but you have to convince me that it's not the baseball. All the evidence points to the baseball. All of it.
0: Jason Stark with us here. Mackie and Judd, he's going to be a weekly contributor on our show, Talking Baseball and Talking Twins and uh, Brian Dozier has been asked to clarify his comments a couple times on this road trip so he got mad and and Jose Barrios did it's a new unwritten rule to us and I've even exchanged some messages with people on other teams that say yeah Dozier's in the wrong here um that if a team is shifting you they're telling you we're still trying to play the percentages because we still think you're a threat to beat us or get on base and so you know if i can, if i'm going to if i'm a hitter i'm going to drop a bunt down and Dozier took exception is that an actual unwritten rule? Like, what are you? And, and what are some other unwritten rules that just need to go, Jason Stark?
3: Uh, well, you know it's frustrating because this unwritten rule book never seems to be available in a bookstore near me.
0: Right. You you know, know Amazon or, or, needs to get on that. Barnes and Noble, come on.
3: Right. It never like this. We we talk about this book more than any other book, and it never rolls off the presses. <laughs> we, this something has, has to actually changed because i would like to write that book because then it would be written so it wouldn't be unwritten then <laughs> we'd be all confused but it i love brian dozier and i understand what he's trying to do and what he's trying to say but i just don't get it i can't follow it it's okay to shift it's not okay to bunt uh it's you know then I, I knew it was not cool to bunt during a no hitter, but now it's not cool to bunt during a one hit or two. Um, I, I just, I'm not following this. Yeah, can I'm you help you. me follow this?
0: Yeah, it's it's bizarre too because you know, I, I if if you're gonna choose to be offended by something, I guess I would be more offended that a team is still shifting my backup catcher with a seven nothing lead against a lights out pitcher in the ninth. But there I've been like, go. but I'm fine with that too. So if the, if you're going to be offended by something, the Orioles have more of a right to be offended in that spot.
3: Yeah, you know, like in basketball, if if a team clears the benches, that's sort of waving the white flag, right? And you, and I don't know what unwritten rules apply when uh, when the scrubbini's come in at the end of the game for garbage time. Yeah. But martial law is in effect there. But in baseball, it feels like it's just always murky and. I've I've been asking people for the last 48 hours what the rule is, and nobody really seems to know. Now, there is this common understanding that the, the basic rule of thumb is it's how many outs you've got to go versus how many runs you're ahead. So if you're seven runs ahead with three outs to go, then you shouldn't violate any unwritten rules. But I also have heard, you know, if you're seven up in the seventh inning, right, after seven innings, yeah. that's when it kicks in. And I, 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 I'm going to go, after I hang up with you guys, I'm going to go back down to my local bookstore, see if that unwritten <laughs> rule book has come in, because I'm not following it,
1: yeah. not Well, and what, Jason, what I don't get is this. Baseball has become an enlightened sport, right? I mean, you've got more new thinking and different strategies, which is fantastic. That's great. But you would think as those strategies uh, start to come into the game that the unwritten rules would just be sort of swept away. And yet you still have this faction of people that believe that believe if you do something in the eighth, that's a cardinal sin. It's just I, I don't get it. And it makes no no sense. And what amazed me was Dozier wasn't just sort of ticked off. He was really offended. He explained this like four times. It, right. it wasn't just like once he explained it and then said, okay, I'm done. He was explaining it before the game yesterday, which was a day after it happened. Well,
3: one of the reasons he keeps explaining it is we keep asking about it. And sure. That's good. I appreciate him answering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would say that the, Unwritten rules keep getting rewritten all the time, except for the fact that they're not written anywhere. Um, So it's confusing, but we we do, as you just said, have a game that is evolving at warp speed, Mm -hmm. and so you would think that the unwritten rule book would evolve with it. But is it? I I think people apply it very selectively for. One reason, because the season is so long, you need to use any little thing you can use for fuel, for energy, for focus. Sure. And I I do think that's part of it. But on the other hand, it was game three, and it was the ninth inning. So you, you you didn't need that much fuel to get through the ninth inning of the third game of the season. Yeah. Right?
1: No, you didn't. Uh, Gabe Kapler, crazy or just a bad week? Because those bullpen decisions uh, were rather unusual at times, I would say. That's a fair way to put it.
3: So you're saying that going to the mound to bring in a pitcher <laughs> who had not warmed up, who was sitting there in his warm-up jacket. You thought that was unusual? Yeah,
1: and what, the kid on o- opening day had, what, 65 pitches or something? Yeah.
0: And by the way, and I he think took him think out. we are pro-Gabe Kapler on this show. He's been a guest a few times, and he's been great. You know, This is you know a few years ago, too. So we are, we, are, we all kind of scratch our heads rooting for him at the same time.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I'm right there with you because I like Gabe. I've known him a long time. And, you know, I'm a fan of of independent thinkers in baseball. And he's about the most independent thinker we've ever seen in any managerial office that I've ever walked into. I was in his office uh, one day this spring, had to get there at 6 a.m. That's when he was available. He had Norah Jones playing softly. He had, uh, like, these scented candles burning. He had a, a chalkboard with a bunch of inspirational sayings. He told me he ripped that concept off from a coffee shop I've never been in a manager's office quite like it. Uh, it felt like his players were getting quite a kick out of it, but it's just a taste of what a different guy this is. Um, I, I've said this a million times. I don't think we've ever seen anyone like this hold a big league managing job. i have never seen anybody who walks like this or talks like this or thinks like this or acts like this. But you still have to run the game. And it's been crazy to watch him run the game. And I I don't really know exactly where this is leading. Uh, I would like to think that after three games, um, his managerial career has not been irreparably tarnished, but it's such a source of conversation and fascination in his own clubhouse, in his own front office, and everywhere in baseball. That I, I'm really not exactly sure where this is leading. Yeah,
0: he's, he reminds me of Ron Gardenhire quite a bit, actually. The scented <laughs> candles and they're battling yeah. their tails <laughs> off of Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trivia, Jason Stark. Do we have trivia to kick off uh, the season's worth of appearances?
3: You, you have to admit you've missed the trivia, right? You've missed it.
0: Uh, we've we've missed feeling inadequate, but I am still thumping my chest over almost guessing Dan Ugla correctly in one of our September. <laughs> Uh, well
3: I appreciate that. This this will not be a Dan Ugly question. It has to do with Jose Barrios okay. threw a shutout the other day for the twins at twenty three years, three hundred and nine days old. Here's my question. Last twins pitcher this young to throw more than one shutout in a season. Go. Uh on the
0: Jeopardy music. Man. Yeah, where's uh, our
1: music, Mackie?
0: Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think. Dave, Dave can Bump, do Bump, the music. Bump, Bump,
1: Bump. <laughs> Thanks, Bump, Bump. Jason. Yeah. Sure. Well, okay, go. so
0: Johan Santana Johann. is the obvious. But Johan Johan didn't pitch deep into games early. In fact, Johan was pulled from games. Johan was not a horse, like a nine-inning horse early.
1: And Liriano also, right? Can we,
3: can we rule out Johan? You can rule out Johan. Okay. You know, don't forget, Johan started his career in the bullpen. Yep. Well. Yeah.
0: He he had to ramp it up there. It's to be throwback.
3: Would it be Radke?
0: Was Radke that young? I don't know. Did he what pitch shutouts? Interest, that was a he, tough era. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. That, I don't like know if he 90s. pitched shutouts. Mm, on, I almost wait. think you got to throw it
3: back. All right. How, how young well, was Brad Bert, is throwing
1: it back. Now, Blylin, by the way, I got bad, bad news Blylin? for you. Ooh, that's a good guess,
3: uh, Burt uh, Bert. Bert's an excellent guess, um, but there is one guy mm. who's doing multiple shutouts in a season for the Twins. Since him, actually two guys, but. Man, I'm struggling um, here. On. The one is a lot later than the other. Um, who are
0: some of the other? Like they've had? Was was Liriano? Liriano? Viola? N- oh, Viola! N-
3: Liriano never threw a complete game shutout. Yeah. Frank Viola, maybe? Frank Viola threw one shutout. Ah. <laughs>
0: All right, we are. Wow, it's a good thing there's a there's six months and of baseball training. And once
1: again, we feel inadequate. <laughs>
3: Boy, that's Boy, embarrassing. How- we forget the twins aces of the 90s you're, My gosh. you're conceding here right so brad radke <laughs> was an ace of the 90s it's easy to forget
1: him jason oh uh, scott erickson scott erickson <laughs>
3: scott erickson is <laughs> right
1: had a no hitter against milwaukee that's got <laughs>
3: erickson threw three <laughs> shutouts oh. at age 23 in 1991 and then, so then kevin April, tappany one
1: may one in june kevin tappany oh he was so good through june and then his arm basically just <laughs> fell apart that year <laughs> There are lots of good answers. You know,
3: Kyle Loge, oh Joe Mays, Kyle Loge just Brad surfaced. Radke, yeah. Frank Fayola through one, The Royals Havens threw one. a couple, but not in the same year. Brad right. Havens. Now you're, back, now you're back to Jim Hughes and Burp Blahlein.
0: What about yeah. Willie
1: Banks? You know Willie Banks' love there?
3: No. That's no. a good Brad guess.
1: Havens. There is a great <laughs> blast from the past. Why don't you throw in Jeff Zahn, too? <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs>
1: Gary Serum.
0: Trivia is yeah. back. Jason we're Stark, on. we're looking forward to the season and congrats, uh, congrats Jason, too. on the new platforms. You go follow Jason on social media too, and you can follow all of his uh, musings on the Athletic. And starting on Friday, MLB Network. Bye, Jason. See ya. Great talking to you guys again. Thanks. Right on. Love, so I much love fun.
1: that segment.
0: We just ran that way up against the clock. So why don't you get a word in for Prime Mortgage Lending here first?
1: I would, will indeed. So you are searching for a mortgage company. Well, I want to make a suggestion for you and someone that you can do business with and someone that you can trust. That's the folks at Prime and Kent McCullough. This isn't about selling you on something. This is about earning your trust, like I said. In fact, Prime would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. And now you're asking yourself, okay, What does that mean exactly? It means that Prime would love to have you as a client, but they want to meet with you first and they want to sit down with you and they want to explain their plan and then the decision is up to you. This is about a couple key words, folks. This is about teamwork and it's about collaboration. That's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you and now you're saying judd that sounds fantastic but where, where do i go to find out more information i'm going to tell you you go to this website goprimewithkent.com. that's goprimewithkent.com. prime go prime with kent k-e-n-t.com back after this on mackey and judd phil mackey
2: little smart ass running around giving orders to everybody judd zolgad judd
0: Do you enjoy any part of your job and any part of sports? Is there anything you take joy in? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. MLB The Show
2: 18 is now out. MLB The Show 18 delivers baseball just the way you like it. Create your own player, customize your batting stance, insert some swagger, and take him to stardom. For those who crave the best of baseball, MLB The Show 18. Welcome to the show. Rated E for everyone. Head to the 1500 ESPN stream player to enter to win your very own copy right now.
0: Twins Anonymous tweets into the show. Gabe Kapler, at least so far, is baseball's version of Patrick Waugh. When it works, he's revolutionary. When it doesn't, he's a mad scientist. Now, the bullpen thing where he called on a reliever that wasn't even warmed up and hadn't started throwing yet, that's that's a different thing. That's him just... (laughs) that's a that's a huge miscommunication that ultimately falls on the manager because you never see that.
1: And then the the Atlanta manager got tossed cuz he got upset but the the home plate umpire allowed the guy i think extra pitches because he's like I'm I'm not going to get this guy hurt. Well, was there the a relief pitcher?
0: What, I guess the alternative were, were there no relievers warming up? Was that the the deal? It was
1: not clear. In, in the story I okay. read it just said that he he called on a pitcher to come in and it turned out the guy hadn't gotten up to start th- throwing, so yeah. I don't know. But then, Kepler took his starter out on opening day. What after sixty-five pitches and up five nothing or six nothing against Atlanta, and they bl- and the bullpen blew it. See, the, so that's where things started to turn. Where the, people were like, what are you doing?
0: The pro- so first of all, Gabe Kapler is one of the smartest baseball minds, and has all of this playing experience that he can lean on from the late '90s, early 2000s. But understands analytics and you know new forms of player valuation. So he actually is the perfect, in theory, guy on paper to to manage in 2018. Problem is, if you're going to go all in on some of these theories and you're going to pull pitchers earlier than, you know, 100-plus years of baseball would dictate, or even the last 15, 20 years of baseball would dictate, and, and if your decisions backfire, and also if you're – a guy who's into scented candles and you know smooth jazz and things like that in George a blue collar tough guy town yeah, it's it gonna up. like all yeah. i'm saying is it's gonna be really easy for people to look at him if yeah. if things don't work right away and say who's this like this guy he he's not cuz charlie manuel was the legendary world series winning manager for the Phillies, right, 2009? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Charlie Manuel was oh, Philadelphia. Meat, meat, mean and potatoes, potatoes, meat, potatoes beer, blue drinking baseball collar, guy, exactly. Definitely. Yes. And Gabe Kapler is the absolute well, antithesis. Here, here's my
1: question, though. Can you manage uh, games one and two of the season like, like you would the World Series? Because that's basically what he was doing with that bullpen move. Like, yeah, that's, that's normal that's now that's in the untested. World Series. That's untested, Or the yet. playoffs.
0: Now, to, to do that properly, you'd have to have a bunch of relievers that pitch two innings instead of one to stretch it out. Yep. So that your av- your available you know innings usage is, is uh, more vast, right? Like we think of bullpens as one inning, one inning, one inning, and then a mop-up guy who maybe can go three or four innings or something. And I think the way we're headed is starters, instead of going 7, 8, n- well, 9 is a stretch now, but instead of starters going 7 and 8, and that being the expectations, now the expectation is more starters go 5 or 6, but then you have these relievers that come in for inning and two-thirds. Addison Reed. Multiple innings, two innings here, 75 innings over the course of a year instead of 50 or 55. That's how you get—if you can get relievers who go 75 or 80 innings at a high level and take away 25 or 30 innings off your number 4 starter so he's not getting shelled in the 5th or 6th inning, third time through the order, that's the ideal mix in the regular season. All right. And more extreme in the postseason. But Gabe Kapler— well, that was just Yeah, it's gonna to be tough.
1: You might want, want to look down the bullpen and just make sure the guy is starting to throw before you call on him to come in the game.
0: Yes. Let's throw this question out. The Wild just clinched their sixth straight playoff berth. How far do you expect this team to go? How far do you think this team can go? Six five one, six four six, eight two five five, eight seven, seven, six one five, fifteen hundred. Is there anything different about this team, even without Ryan Souter, that makes you think they can go farther or should go farther? than the previous five wild playoff teams. 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500.